Well, I got to hear from many of you this past week who began cleaning out closets and garages and giving things away. Anybody else there had fun doing that? Um, I, I had a good friend of mine that texted me just, just today and he said, I was cleaning out my closet and I found stuff from 1998. Like, how does that even happen? You know, I was like laughing. I said, I've been there. You know, it happens because we just have a tendency to kind of just hold on to stuff, don't we? Just kind of grip hold tightly. And this series, Ambush, is really designed to help with that. And I told you, I got the idea for this series from one verse in scripture. It's the wisest man on earth, Solomon, writing to his son about how to not destroy his life And just listen to what he says, starting in Proverbs chapter one, verse 17. If a bird sees a trap being set, well, it knows to stay away. And we're like, well, duh. I mean, if you saw the trap, you wouldn't fall into it. That's dumb. And he goes on to tell us what happens with an ambush. He says, but these people, these people set an ambush for themselves. They're trying to get themselves killed. And what I love about this verse is Solomon says, no one else set the ambush. They set the ambush for themselves. And we're like, What ambush would someone set for themselves, not even see it coming? And Solomon tells us, such is the fate of all those who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. And what we saw last weekend is that this idea of robs you of life, it's the idea of choking hold of a neck where you can't even breathe anymore. And that's what greed does. It just begins to choke everything good out of our lives. And What we saw last weekend is that while that's true, no one admits they're greedy. Greed's almost impossible to see in the mirror. Until you start looking at the New Testament definition of greed, you remember this? We looked at this last week. The New Testament definition for greed is this, wanting more-ishness. Isn't that good? It's like, oh, if that's the definition, then all of us have a little bit of a problem, right? That's what we kind of saw last week. And so we... We have to deal with this thing that has a tendency to get into our heart where all we want is more. And so last weekend we talked about contentment and I heard from so many of you that said that's exactly what I needed to hear. But here's what I'm here to tell you today. Last week was a primer. Did you know that contentment is not, not the answer to this thing that gets inside of us of wanting more-ishness? It's not. I want to tell you why. Remember, we said last weekend that greed is an appetite. It's an appetite. Think about this. An appetite is something that the more you feed it, the more it grows. But with an appetite, you just can't starve it and expect it to go away. Think about your own appetite, you eating. When, when you stop eating, does your appetite automatically go away? No, it doesn't at all. I mean, that's an important thing to do, to learn to not eat every time you you feel hungry. Otherwise, you're going to be eating all day long and eating whatever you want. So we have to learn to curb our appetite. That's what we learned to do last weekend is contentment is learning to curb this greed thing, but it's not the answer. Let me put it this way. The ultimate answer to a bad appetite is not to starve it. It's to replace it with something better. If you really want to really deal with a bad appetite, you can't just starve it. You have to replace it with something better. So with greed, we have to replace greed in our life with something that's better that deals with the heart of greed. So let me ask it this way. What is the opposite of greed? What's the opposite of a greedy person? It's not a content person. It's not. The opposite of greed is generosity. 
And if you ever wanna deal with this thing in your life that has a tendency to ambush and destroy your marriage, your kids, your family, and your peace, you have to learn to develop a generous heart. And what I wanna tell you up front is that I believe with, with everything inside of me that there's spiritual warfare all, all across this topic. In fact, the moment that I even mention the word generosity, some of you start puckering up, right? I mean, it's like we just, we just start to tense up because what I believe is that the last thing Satan wants you to do is to develop a generous heart. So he will do anything he can, anything he can to get a grip of greed on your heart and never let it go because he knows if he does that, he will ambush and destroy your life. And so we have to, have to learn how to develop a generous heart. And I want you to know, as your pastor, there's nothing, nothing I speak on that is more personal to me than this topic we're gonna talk about today. And that is because in my life and in my marriage, I just about got ambushed and destroyed everything. It's very personal to me. In fact, I was writing this message and I, I, I almost get choked up talking about it. Because what happened to me was growing up, my story is growing up early on. Um, I grew up with, with two amazing parents, but let me tell you what my parents' issue was. They argued about money all the time, all the time. Some of my earliest childhood memories are watching my parents at a, at a kitchen table and they, there's a Bank of America statement and they have bills out. And I remember talking about it and they start arguing and they're pointing fingers and they begin screaming at each other because it's gone and, and, and they're overdraft, which happened back then. And they're so mad. And, and as a young boy, this just impacted me so much to see my, there's so much tension in a marriage and division that as a young boy, the only thing I could fathom in my little boy mind was that my parents' issues is they didn't have enough money. So I made a promise to myself that I wanted a happy marriage. And my answer to having a great marriage was I just needed more money than my parents. That was their issue. What I didn't realize until later on, much later on, is that what I began to develop in my heart and mind is what I would call a greed mindset. And a greed mindset is simply this. It's the idea that we believe more money equals more happiness. Now, if I asked you today, do you believe that more money equals more happiness? You know what most of us would say? We would intuitively say, well, no, no, it doesn't. Because we know someone who's had a ton and they've destroyed their life. But do you know intuitively we know it's not right but practically, that's exactly how we live our lives. We live our lives with a desire for more because we think more is gonna be the answer to all of our happiness and joy in life. It's an ambush. It's an ambush. I got ambushed. I thought I needed more. What happened was, and, and maybe in God's sense of humor, when I made that commitment, I just needed more than my parents. When Jamie and I graduated from college, we immediately got married. We both got jobs. I didn't go into the ministry right away. We both went into the corporate world. We both got these amazing jobs. I don't even know how this happened, but it happened. We had salaries that together we were making well into six figures, and it just happened that together we were making three to four times more than my parents had ever made. And you know what I thought to myself when, when this happened? I'm just gonna be honest. We did it! 
We did it. Money will never, ever be an issue in our marriage because we have more. And so we got ambushed hard and it happened quick. Early on, because we had more and we wanted to be happy, we went on a consumption binge. I mean, we spent on everything you could imagine. You think it, we spent on it. We bought a brand new large house. We bought new cars. We got new clothes. We bought new furniture for the house. We la- I remember we landscaped the yard. We threw in this huge, like, built-in fireplace with built-in barbecue. We bought not, not one dog. We got two dogs which is probably one of the only great decisions we make was you could have got two cats and we would have like been destroyed, you know? So it's like, but I mean, we did everything. We, we consumed, we were, if consuming was an Olympic sport, we got the gold medal because we wanted to be happy. I'll never forget when the fighting started. Our routine was we would get paid and we'd spend, 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 spend and we would get to the end of a pay period and we'd be out and we'd go into credit card debt and then we started getting the bills and we started pointing fingers and we started yelling and we started blaming and you ever been there? Some of you are there on the way to church. It just happened so easily and what hit me was I realized, oh my gosh, you... You can't make enough money to keep up with a life of consumption. You can't. And I will never forget, in my whole entire life, I will never forget waking up after Jamie and I had had a massive blowout, screaming fight over money, and it hit me. And I was so brokenhearted, please hear me, I was so brokenhearted that I was repeating the pattern that I promised I wouldn't repeat that I saw in my parents. And I was so broken that I decided to do something different. And here's what hit me. I had a Bible college degree and I had my MBA at this point. And here's what I I realized. I don't even know what this book has to say about money. I know what the world has to say. I've studied it. But I don't even know what this book has to say. And so I went on a year's quest to read everything the Bible has to say about money. And I wanna tell you today that what I learned not only blew my mind, it transformed my heart. God's greatest work in my life and in Jamie's life and in our marriage is in this area. It transformed everything. It's who we are today is because of what we learned and what we applied. And let me just put it this way so it can sink in for you. I cannot tell you in the last 18 years the last time Jamie and I have argued about money. In fact, to confirm that, this morning I called my oldest daughter who's 18 and I asked her, I've never asked her this before, I said, have you, when's the last time you've seen your mom and dad argue about money? And she literally had a pause on the phone and she said, I can't think of any time I've ever seen you argue about money. God has transformed our life and I want that for you. I want what God has done for us. And some of you might say this, well, what did you, what did you do that transformed everything? I mean, did you take away Jamie's debit card? Is that what you did? See, I'm gonna do that to you. You know, it's like, no. And listen, we, we started getting out of debt. We started budgeting. We started saving. All that's important. But that is not the most important thing we did. We did one thing that transformed everything about our finances. And here's how I would summarize it if you're taking notes. We changed our life's focus from consuming to giving. 
Because what I realized after reading this whole entire book on money, here's my summary of what I learned. The world tells us that happiness and peace comes from consuming. It's why so many of us are on a pursuit of more. The Bible, God's word is crystal clear. God's word tells us that happiness and peace come from giving, from generosity. Can I just show you a few examples? These are just a few. I mean, I could spend hours. Jesus himself, just listen to the words of Jesus. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Jesus says, it's more blessed. You know what the word blessed means in the Greek? It means to have the greatest level of happiness you could ever imagine. It is more blessed to give than to keep consuming and getting all for yourself. Another uh, version of this says this, it's, it's more, there's more happiness in giving than receiving. Listen to Proverbs, a book on wisdom. One person gives freely and gains even more. Another withholds unduly everything for themselves. And what happens? It, come, it comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It's over and over throughout this book. In fact, if I told you to pick one verb, just one verb that describes who God is and what he does, what verb would you pick for God? Just in your mind, what, what verb would you pick? Most people pick love. I wanna change your perspective. Watch this, just watch. It's the most famous verse in all of scripture. You already know it. For God so loved the world that what did he do? What did he do? Say it out loud. He gave. He gave. You wanna know why? Because at, at the heart of who God is, God's a, God's a God of generosity. God's a giver. And God's greatest desire for your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, is for you to become more like him. And you cannot become more like God and experience God's greatest blessings in your life until you develop a heart of generosity. So let me ask a million dollar question. If that's true, and I know it is from studying scripture, how would you know if you're a generous person? Like what's the definition of generosity? And what I think is all of us have our own opinion. All of us have our own opinion about what it looks like to be generous. What's amazing as I was studying scripture is God doesn't leave it to chance. He doesn't even leave it, leave it to interpretation. He shows us a model, what I would call a playbook, of how you can have a generous and blessed life. And what I wanna do for just a few minutes is I wanna give you the playbook for biblical giving, okay? And listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus here today and you're visiting, this doesn't even apply to you. Right, you don't, have to, you don't have to do anything the Bible says. I'm so glad you're here. But if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm gonna give you the biblical model for giving. It's four Ps. It'll be really easy to remember. The first one is biblical giving always is a percentage. Now, this is the one people push back on the most, and it cracks me up. It's so clear. Let me just tell it to you. And you're probably gonna maybe push back in your mind if you've been there. Biblical giving always, always starts with bringing a tithe. And I put the word 10% in parentheses because that is literally what a tithe means. And it's listed all throughout scripture. A tithe, the Hebrew word masir, the Greek word means the exact same thing. It just means 10%. It's not 2%, 5%, 6%, 9%, 18%. It's 10%. That's what a tithe means. Now, why did God pick 10%? I don't know. I have an opinion. Here's my opinion. I think he did it to make it easy. 
For example, uh, let's say the last time you went into like a store, you're shopping, and the sign says 15% off everything in the store. So you're, you know, you're shopping around, you're looking, you find the perfect shirt or jacket. It's $50. Now, in your mind right now, what's 15% off 50? What is it? What is it? Most of you don't know. If you're good at math, you rattle it off, right? But most of us aren't mathematicians, and so we struggle. So what did God do? God made it simple. What's 10% off 50? Everybody knows, five bucks. All you do is drop the zero. Someone's like, you drop the zero? That's all you do? Yeah, that's what you do. 10%, okay? Now I'm helping you out today. So listen, no matter what your salary is, God made it simple to know. You make $50,000 a year, a tithe is $5,000. You make $100,000 a year, a tithe is $10,000. You make $500,000 a year, a tithe is $50,000. You make a million dollars a year. Ooh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, the, the higher you get, the harder it becomes, right? But it's, it is uniform across the board. It always starts with a tithe, right? Now, every time I teach on the tithe, I think there's always a few pushbacks, and I'm just gonna address them both, okay? These are the two big ones, I think. The first one is this. Someone's saying, God doesn't get to tell me what to do with my money. Did you know there's not one place in Scripture, not one, that it says that your money's yours? Did you know it says the exact opposite? Let me just read you one example. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 17 and 18. You may say to yourself at some point, it's my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, numero uno. It's all about me and it's mine. It goes on to say this, but remember the Lord your God. Remember who God is. It's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Every dollar you have in your bank account to your name came from God, which means we have to follow God's principles for our our money, not our own. And God gave us the principle of the tithe. Did you know in scripture, this blew me away when I studied this, do you know the Bible doesn't say give the tithe? It never uses the word give. Why? Because it all belongs to God, but specifically the first 10%, God says, that is mine. Set it apart for me. Honor me with that first part so I can take care of the rest. So it never says give the tithe. You want want to know why? You can't give something that doesn't belong to you. So what word is used all throughout scripture when it talks about the tithe? Let me show you, Malachi chapter three. What's the word? Bring. Because you bring back to God what doesn't belong to you, it belongs to him. So you only have two options with the tithe. You can either bring it back to God or you can steal it. And listen, I know that's tough for some of you to hear, but you need to understand what's at stake when you keep what belongs to God and you wonder why is there so much tension and do I feel so little peace? The second pushback I think that I get on tithe is from longtime Christians. And here's what they say. This is not new Christians or if you're new to the faith, you wouldn't even think this, but longtime Christians say something like this. Well, I don't tithe because the tithe is an Old Testament concept. It was given during the law to to Moses. So I'm a New Testament Christian and that, that doesn't apply to me any longer. Here's the problem. That's not even biblical. Did you know the first mention of the tithe in scripture is in Genesis chapter 14, which came 430 years before God ever gave the law to Moses? And by the way, just because something's in the law doesn't mean it's exempt now. I mean, in the law was don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal. Are those okay to do now? The first mention of the tithe is in Genesis chapter 14, and here's what's amazing. I kind of geek out over this. Genesis chapter 14, the first mention of the tithe is Abraham giving a tithe 
to a mysterious priest called Melchizedek. Melchizedek. And this priest had no beginning and had no end. Who's that sound like? Well, Hebrews chapter five and seven tells us who this priest was. Hebrews tells us in the New Testament that the first tithe was given to either Jesus or a representation of Jesus. Is that not amazing? So when you're tithing, listen, you are giving back to God. Let me ask you this question for those of you who struggle here. If Jesus told you clearly in the New Testament to tithe, would you? I hope the answer is yes. And if the answer is yes to you, you're in trouble. And here's why, because Jesus said it twice. Matthew 23, 23, and in Luke. Let me show you the verse in Luke eleven forty two. 42. This is the words of Jesus. Jesus is talking to the religious leaders who thought they're high and mighty. He says, what sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income. What the Pharisees would do is they would take even their mints and deal their spices and they would pull off 10% and give those. They were like so anal about this. And what, watch what Jesus says next. You should tithe yes. Do you need any more clarity than that? Twice Jesus says this in the New Testament. He's affirming the tithe as a biblical concept. And he goes on to say this, but do not neglect the more important things. What's that mean? We'll talk about that in a moment, but we don't just tithe and think, well, I did something miraculous. No, you're bringing back to God what was already his. There's, more, there's other more important things as well. But what I want you to hear right up front is, the first thing, first P is it's always a percentage. It starts with the tithe, okay? Second P, it's always a priority. Now, this reminds me of when Jamie and I were in college. What would happen is we, we had no money when we were in college. Like call, poor college students, many of you have been there. And so when we would go out to eat and I was gonna treat Jamie on a date and I was gonna pay, what we would typically do is, is we would just get one dish, one plate from the restaurant and we decide to share it. But I had an agreement or arrangement with Jamie where when we got the meal, I would take it first because I am bigger, I eat more. So I would eat my fill of the meal first and I would eat off the plate until I was full and then I would push the plate over to Jamie and if there was any left over, then she got to eat. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because you know? you're like, that's ridiculous. Of course I didn't do that. I mean, how long would Jamie date me and be in a relationship with me if I like did that? That is exactly what so many of us do with God. Every time we get paid, we pull it near us and we take care of all our needs and everything we want. And if there's anything left over, we say, God, you can have some. This is not the biblical model. All throughout scripture when we give the tithe, it is the first thing you do every time you get paid. The very first thing you do is you give back to God because he demands to be first. He has to be first. God cannot bless any area of your life that he's not first. So what Jamie and I do when, when we realize this is when we get paid, we just automate it. We set up automatically that every single time we get paid, the very first check we cut goes back to God. It's, our, it's back to the local church. And what so many of us do is that's not how we operate. We, we spend on us. And the reason we do this intuitive, like if you just think about your spirit is because it makes you feel better. It makes you feel more secure because if you spend everything on you, you and make sure your bills are all taken care of, 
then, it, then God can get some if there's any left. But if you gave God the first, it means you have to trust God with the rest. Exactly. And that's the posture God wants for your heart is for you to trust him more. Did you know tithing is the only place in all of scripture we're invited to test God? You know, you know when you're a kid, you said, I dare you. I double dog dare you. I triple dog dare you. The tithe is God triple dog daring you to trust him. Let me show you an example. Malachi chapter three, watch this. Bring the full tithe, God says, bring the full tithe, the full 10%, not five, four, three, eight, into the storehouse, that's the local church, that there may be food in my house. Now watch what he says next. And thereby you can put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down such a blessing until there's no more need. God says, you have the ability of testing me and seeing if what I say is true. That 90% with God goes further than 100% on your own. All throughout scripture, remember, tithe is a, is a tenth. T the number 10 is almost always used as a test throughout scripture. Can I show you a few examples? Now just play along with me. I want you to say the answers out loud, okay? How many plagues were there in Egypt? Do you wanna know? There was 10. God was testing Pharaoh's heart. Now you're gonna see a pattern here, watch this. How many commandments are there? You know the answer, say it out loud. 10, now you're gonna see a pattern, watch this. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness in the Old Testament? 10 times, watch this. How many times were Jacob's wages changes? Say it out loud, 10. Now this we may not know, but how many days was, was Daniel tested? He was tested 10. Watch this, how many disciples or apostles were there? How many? 12, I was testing you, all right? <laughs> testing you, you got it. Listen, I will never forget the first time Jamie and I cut our very first tithe check. We were not tithing. I, I looked at this biblically, looked at my budget, I had a budget spreadsheet, we were not tithing. I will never forget plugging in 10% into that budget spreadsheet and immediately the cell at the bottom that calculated our income minus expenses went from a positive number to a negative number. And I thought, God, see, it doesn't work. And I knew this is the one place we were invited to test God and Jamie and, Jamie and I, with a lot of fear, I'm just, I'm just being honest, with a lot of fear, we wrote that very first, first tithe check way back in the day. I'm telling you, God is faithful. Miraculously, he's so faithful and you'll never see his faithfulness until you put him to the test. But I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to hear from a real life couple at CCV, Andy and Nikki Johnson, that have been on this journey for a really long time. Watch this. My name's Andy Johnson. Uh, that's my wife, Nikki. We've been married for 23, 20, <laughs> wait, no, 27. <laughs> Lost, lost some years there. All right. Yeah, okay. How did generosity start? Um, I guess you can say generosity for us started, you know, maybe 10 years ago. I would say, I think it goes back even more like 20 years when we started to really tithe. I think that was kind of the first step. And that started with Dave Ramsey. The Financial Peace University really gave us a plan, and you know we were ready to follow that plan every step. And tithing was was part of that, and it's also what the Bible tells us to do. And that helped us financially, just kind of be in alignment with where we're going to allocate our money, what we're doing, how we're going to do it, when we're going to do it. 
So when we take a look at CCB and how fast they're growing and seeing the growth, seeing baptisms, and it makes it really easy to want to continue to invest in the church um, by tithes and offerings and being able to sit back and, and realize that God has been doing crazy things for us uh, financially in our lives that we can then turn around and continue to invest in the church and help it grow and seeing lives change. I would say to encourage people to really start tithing on a regular basis because uh, it, it really all starts there. Um, and once you're used to that and you know, you, you're, you're in alignment with your spouse, uh, it really starts a pathway for you to start doing more because you realize you don't need that 10%. I mean, we give more to the government than we do to the local church. So, um, and look at how much more powerful the local church can impact the community more so than the government. I just can't say enough the peace that comes with it. I mean, you don't really think about that. Like, you, people probably think it's the opposite, but when you know that you're doing what God's asked you to do, at least in this one area, it's just, there's peace. Like, God doesn't need us to do His work. Yeah. So when we can, when He includes us in that equation, He benefits and we benefit. And it's just a joy that you wouldn't know otherwise, that especially when it's anonymous, I mean, that's, that's what I love. Um, it puts it all in God's hands, and that way God gets glory, not us, because that's what it's all about. We thank Andy and Nikki for sharing their story. I, I love what Nikki said, that it, that it brings peace. And you'd almost think the opposite, but listen, when you put your finances in God's hands and he promises that he's gonna take care of you with 90%, do you understand how much peace that brings you? Because now your, your, your issues, you're going, God, you gotta come through, and God always does. So what is it? First two Ps, it's always a percentage, it's always a priority, first thing you do. But the third thing we learn from scripture is that it's progressive. It's progressive. In other words, I love what Andy said. He said, you start with the tithe, but that's not the ending point. Let me say it this way for those of you taking notes. Tithing is the starting point for generosity, but it's never meant to be the ending point. I'll never forget where this really kind of hit home with me um, because we're, we're called to have a childlike faith. You know, really, really trust God with everything. And I've always taught every single one of my kids tithing the same way. I've taken 10 $1 bills and I've spread them out and I say every single time God gives you 10 of these and I pull one out, I go, we're to bring the first one back to God and we bring it back to him. And I'll never forget my oldest daughter when I was teaching her this. She said, Dad, you keep all nine for yourself? I was like, took her piggy bank, I threw it on the ground. I was like, you don't talk to your dad that way. No, I didn't do that to her. I just thought to myself, I just thought to myself, that's the kind of faith I want. God, I don't know, maybe we bring you one now. Maybe over time you should get two or three, God. I mean, this is all yours in the first place and we wanna keep trusting you. And then I remember reading a verse in 2 Corinthians that says this, or actually 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says this, every Sunday, that's the priority, remember, every Sunday, each of you must put aside a sum of money, watch this, in proportion, in proportion to what you've earned. In other words, over time, as God blesses you with more and more, 
That's your, I, that's your cue to keep getting more and more generous over time. To start with 10%, but don't end with 10%. You know, go to 11, 12, keep being more and more generous. Do you remember what Andy said? He said something very biblical. He said, in the Bible, we're told there's things called tithes, and then there's offerings. You ever wanted to know what the difference is? A tithe, remember, it just means 10%. An offering is anything given above and beyond 10%. That's what it means. Some of you might be like, well, what if you give less than 10%? That's a tip. <laughs> That's tipping. You're tipping the God of the universe. So what do we do? We, we learn to be progressive in our, in our giving. And as Jamie and I started doing this, I'm just telling you, when you get progressive, it destroys greed. It destroys greed because as you make more money, as you begin giving more and more back, it doesn't become all about you. Do you understand you can tithe your whole life and still be greedy? Because as God gives you more and as your income increases, you make it more about you. And I'll never forget, Jamie and I were learning this concept biblically and we made a commitment in 2002 that every single year we would try to increase our giving above 10% just a little bit. We started at 10% and I'll never forget the first year we got a pretty big raise at work and we went to 12.3% and the next year we went to 14%, then we went to 16% and then 17% and 18% and 20%. I just want you to know that we've been on this journey for 19 years. And I just wanna tell you our own personal experience and I believe this is biblical, is that it's a percentage, it's a priority, it's progressive, but the last P is your giving always comes with a promise. And as you develop a generous heart, I'm telling you, listen to this, you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. Because when God finds someone that wants to filter his resources through you to what he cares about most, I think God gets really excited. Now listen, we don't give to get. That's the prosperity gospel, it makes me sick. When you develop a generous heart, listen, I think God's probably gonna bless your socks off, but that's not for you. It's so that you can be blessed to be a bigger blessing. I think the moment God starts blessing and you start turning it all inward, that's when things fall apart. I love what this verse says in 2 Corinthians chapter nine. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly also reaps sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Don't ever give out of guilt. For God loves a cheerful giver because you're like him when you give. And God is able. <laughs> He's able to bless you abundantly. Watch this. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I just wonder what God's speaking to you today. My guess is every person here, God's speaking something to you. And if you're sitting there today and, and you're torn because maybe you think this guy, pastor on stage, is just saying this because he wants something from me, he just wants my money. If that's you, listen, don't give a dime to CCV. Don't. But I would challenge you to find a church that you trust their leadership, you trust their preaching, that they're just trying to preach you God's word. And I would challenge you to give to that church. Be 
because I don't want to see you miss out on God's blessing in your life because you're not following the principles of God. That's how much this matters to me. So I have a challenge for three groups of people here, and you're going to find yourself in one of these three groups, okay? Just, put your, just be honest. The first group of people would be, you'd say, you're not tithing. You're not. Maybe you give a little bit, maybe you throw a 20 or something here, but you know it's not 10%, okay? And you're only as good as you are honest, so just be honest about it. My challenge for you is this. I want you to put God to the test for three months. God says, test me. I want you to set up, go on the CCV app, go online, set up a reoccurring automatic gift that every time you get paid, 10%, okay? And you just test God for three months. I dare you. God says, test me, and you don't see if 90% with God goes further than 100% on your own. I guarantee you it does. I've heard the same testimony for 20 years. People that tithe say, I can't believe God's faithfulness. People that don't tithe are just broken. I want this for you, okay? Here's the second group of people. You, you currently are tithing, and you've been doing it for a while. But if you'd say, man, God has really blessed me, continues to bless me, I wanna challenge you to do something that I really think will help you in your spiritual walk. I wanna encourage you to increase your generosity for three months. Increase your generosity for three months and see what God does in your life. See if he's not faithful and see if you don't see that you can't outgive God. You can't. Here's a third group of people and I just wanna acknowledge it, okay? Third group of people is you never intend to give. You've kind of been sitting there like, Ugh. And you just never intend to give. And if that's you, I just want to tell you something. I want you to hear my heart. God loves you just the same. Listen, God's love for you is not dictated by your giving. Do you understand that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you before you ever did jack? In all of us, God's love does not depend on your giving. Let me tell you what does the blessings you experience in your life. Many of you are missing out on the blessings. You feel tension in your marriage. You feel tension at home. You have a lack of peace financially. And the reason why is because you are not following God's principles. Listen, the blessings of God always follow, the obedience, follow obedience to the principles of God. Always. And what I wanted to do today is I just want to challenge you to start being obedient, okay? And I have Jamie here with me because I can't look at her because I'll get messed up. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm not looking. You got to understand, this is God's greatest work in our life. You remember how much tension we used to have financially. And when we began following these four principles, a percentage, a priority, it got progressive, and we knew there was a promise. God changed our life. Mm -hmm. And I thought, may I let you share for just a moment, like whatever God puts on your heart. Mm. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm just so thankful um, in my life that you followed God's calling in this series and what it's called because it's just so profound. Even 20 years later, the lessons are just still so fresh. So yeah. thanks for that. Um, but what was so, what's been so cool for me in the last week is really just to reflect and remember mm -hmm. about where God's taken us and where we came from to where we are now is a miracle. Mm -hmm. 
And I just love to share our story because it's not our story, it's God's story through us. And just that posture of surrender, the transformation that it happened in our life and in our faith. Don't get me. <laughs> well, it's, it is God's greatest work in our life. And the marriage we have today, the kids we have today, the relationship we have today with God, we really believe started when we started following these principles. So I just wanna tell you, we want that for you. We want that for you so desperately. So I pray you just do whatever God's telling you to do. And I thought I'd have Jamie just close us out in prayer as you just wrestle with whatever God's telling you to do. Would you close us out? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. So in our house, what we do, what we often do is we pray for it with our hands open. And what that says is, Lord, what we try to teach our kids and what we try to remember, remember is, Lord, our hands and our hearts are open to your surrender. So I thought, since we do that in our family, and really, you are our family, that maybe we could all do that together as I close this out. Can you hold your hands open? Just like we do around our kitchen table. And can you pray with me? Lord, we surrender. We surrender this need for more to our need for you. We surrender to what your word says is truth. And Lord, I just wanna pray right now for those who are maybe going to tithe for the first time this week, or for those who have been tithing for a long time, and now they're sort of willing to take the next step in their surrender to you. Just pray for them this week. Pray for just that they would see what it looks like to put you first, because you first is the only way we can truly live. We love you, we thank you. It's in your name we pray, amen. Amen, amen, thank you. Hey, whatever God, yeah, you can clap for that. Listen, whatever God is prompting you to do, I wanna encourage you and challenge you, step out in obedience with boldness and watch God work miracles in your life. Have a great week, CCB, we love you. Love you.